For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 347 of This Old Marketing for October 27th, 2022. And with me, as always, you know, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who's, well, he's not getting cut by Adidas, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Hello, sir. How are you? Yeah, hello. I'm doing yes, well. Uh, are you Are you speaking of the main person yay? we were talking about in the last episode? Yay, yay? That is correct. Yay, yay. Uh, and I did, by the way, confirm it is yay. It is not ye. So... It is. It is. Yay, Kanye. Yay. Although, isn't it Jesus? I mean, when he when he talks, it's Yeezy. It's yeah. Yeezy. I thought it was. I thought sometimes people call him Jesus. That's why I thought it was Ye or uh, who knows. It's very. It's very tough when anyone has a just two letters in their name. That's correct. It could go yeah many different directions. Is is what you'll find. It, it really could. And and by the way, you know, you I was what I was going to say is, you know, and the only guy who hasn't been escorted out of a Skechers building recently. Oh, my gosh. But <laughs> that's breaking news. That happened today or yesterday, I should she say. Did, didn't, where, uh, didn't Adidas go and get uh, a new – who's their new guy the, from Saturday Night Live? They went and got – I thought they got uh, – No, they didn't. The taco, I thought they did got they? the Taco did Bell they? guy. Who's that? Really? Yeah. What's his name? Why can't I think of it? Um, uh, you're talking about the guy with the the other guy with mental health problems. Yes, that um, guy. I th- who? Did, who? Uh, hold on. Now I got to look it up. See, the, we we don't have our stuff together <laughs> for this show. Oh, Pete Davidson. <laughs> yeah, Pete Davidson. Yeah, they, there you I go. thought they signed everybody on the everybody on the show. Audience is yelling. Pete, Pete Davidson. Davidson. Like these, Pete Davidson. Pete, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, Adidas has signed a deal with Pete Davidson. Right. Okay, I did not know uh, this. I, this, this is this is news this is to me. Fa- so. Unless this is fake news, um, it could be taunted about. Uh, yeah, I, I, that maybe it's fake news because they were fighting. That could be. They were fighting. They they were definitely fighting when Pete Davidson was, and I I, I I'm I I don't even know that I I want to admit that I know this, but he was dating Kim Kardashian, and it was they had they had what the kids call a beef. He's beefing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if this is so, so. So somebody has to let us know. I don't know if this is real news. Like I'm finding it in multiple places that there's a deal, but I'm not. I'm not finding it. That would be odd. It would be odd that he would have a deal. I think there's just people because Pete Davidson. I mean, maybe he gets a discount a at the. On, and they yeah. were fighting. People want this to happen. I think that's what it is. That's I see. what it looks like. Because there's a whole thing about Stephen Colbert taunting Pete Davidson to do something about, and I, we can't talk about what he wants Pete Davidson to do because that would that's not this show. That's someone else's show. But there's right. a thing there and whatever. But yes, he got cut by by Adidas, and and you know it's funny. We you and I were. On a wonder, you know, wonderful northeastern call yesterday with our friend James Gardner, and we that were was, that was tremendous. And you brought this up about you know we were talking about brands purchasing 
creator content brands, and you were talking about the downside of influencer marketing. Yes, which I will talk about a little bit more in my 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 rant or commentary. And I don't want to steal. Yeah, I don't want to steal your uh, thunder, but that I mean, obviously, yeah. Adidas poured a ton of money into oh. that partnership, and because that of, revenue was just shy of a billion dollars. Oh my God, and it's just just done. shy of a billion dollars, and it's just out because now and it's worth uh, apparently about two hundred and fifty million to to uh, to yay, so. It's real money. It's real money. And I think there's a really interesting conversation because one of the things, and I'll mention it again in my, uh, in my commentary, which is there were a lot of people who think uh, Adidas didn't move fast enough. You know, they were critical and saying, hey, you know, you're doing the bare minimum here. You're, you know, you're not, you didn't move fast enough. And I earnestly, uh, earnestly, and I really do mean this, and I, I may ask this question on social media because I, I I'm, truly curious how much faster they should or could have moved and if they did move faster what would the difference be yes how right so when the news came out i mean it was it took them days to right his comments came between the 5th and 9th of october got it the and then the so that's when you know the paris thing went down and that's when the the you know the, the he made the the anti-Semitic remarks uh, in retaliation for that original thing. And he, so from the 5th of 9th of October is when he sort of went off the rails with his remarks and Balenciaga and gap dropped him the following week. The, you know, the next week they dropped him as did his agency CAA. And then it was this week, the 25th uh, when uh, Adidas dropped him. And I just, so the difference of a week is what we're talking about here. The differences of seven days, and I get that they should have asked, acted in in all due haste. But I'm, I'm and I'm genuinely curious. I'm not disagreeing with the people who say they that people should have acted faster. But I'm just I'm genuinely curious for those who think that they should have acted faster. What they think acting faster would have done better, would have done more, you know, effectively, or what they you know what benefit it provides because uh, to me they acted in all due haste given that it was a billion dollars of product revenue and i'm sure there was lots and lots of legal wrangling they had to do to unwind this thing and even make a public announcement so it's just to me i i I thought they you know they obviously did the right thing in my opinion but but it's just I'm, i'm genuinely curious by those who who we're so critical of Adidas for not acting fast. But I think that's the social media culture we live in, correct? Yeah, I like, think it is I too. I want an immediate I response. I want 15 right. seconds. Come on, let's go. And you don't, I mean, this. there's a lot on the line. Adidas owes it to their shareholders and their community to make the right decision for the good of the brand and the customers and the employees. I, I yeah great. I don't know. That's is right. it is it two weeks? Is it a week? Is it? I mean, I can't even imagine the amount of. Well, meetings. even beyond, just think of the amount of meetings that had to happen at Adidas, oh. all around the world, to fu- to come together and say we need to. to That's right. To end this deal. So right, and what that effectively means, right? What what dropping in the relationship effectively means? You know, you've got to stop assembly lines. You've got to stop. You know, there are a lot of things that have to immediately cease operations um and it's you know it's it's a tangled thing and and again i might even be 
persuaded that they could or should have said it right away in the same, you know, days after the comments or in the week even previous. But I'm my 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 deeper question is what would that have done? Yes. Like what would have coming out faster have benefited other than basically condemning it faster, right? You know, I don't know what seven days would have provided. Well they were getting heat. Right, they were just they were like, "What are you going to do? What is Adidas going to do? When are they coming out with something?" So they were getting sure. heat on it, yeah, and yeah. they were putting that off and saying. And by the way, just so everyone knows, it it the the uh, the Pete Davidson thing is a big joke. I, I did. I, okay. I, I was all right. I was sort of following the news this week, and and of course, just looked at headlines, which never works well for anyone. And so it's no, just, it's a big it, you know, old internet news. joke, and it's funny, by the way. Yeah, this old market where you come for your fake news. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's, I definitely appreciate that joke. But yes, uh, so anyways, I don't know. It's been anyway. We'll talk about that a little later. Been, yeah, we'll talk it's about been that. Crazy. A yeah, later. the only other thing that I want to mention, and I need to mention it because you might actually hear it, and and I'm not going to edit through that. Like I'm not one of those, you know post-production people that we keep it edit real. out yeah we keep everything keep in there real. all the bad stuff all the coughing everything yeah, in there keep it real uh basically a corner of my house is is falling out, off <laughs> right now it's actually dipping into the ground there are cracks on the side of the walls and people are uh, three interesting gentlemen have come to save the day and dig around the house and put supports on it so it doesn't fall into the valley so i'm very ah. excited that they are here, but they are very noisy people. I find it curious that you call them three interesting gentlemen. What what makes them interesting? Um, they they're not low talkers. They're, okay, they're very right. loud. And as I went out, so it's funny. So we're recording this uh, six hours later than normal because they were drilling into the cement next to the house to to dig these holes and yeah. whatever. And they're still out there, but right now it seems like they're filling in the holes. But we'll see if this whole thing works. But I go outside and I said, hey, just to let you know, I'm going to be on a call for the next hour and a half. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and I get up here and all of a sudden, it got, a guy's singing a Whitney Houston song or so. I don't know what the guy's doing, but they don't care. They they got... they got Make it part of the show. Oh, yeah. So they might it's be just, in this... It's just part of the they show. They might be in this this wonderful episode. And, and I appreciate An uncredited that. soundtrack. Yeah. Well, the, here's the interesting thing. My little office that I record this in every week, for the most part, unless I'm traveling, is right above where we're sinking. I feel like I'm leaning a bit, actually, Robert. I feel like I feel like I might go down any minute. So we'll we'll see. Okay. We'll see what happens. That's my. Well, you were always <laughs> you were always one to lean. That's for sure. <laughs> just, again, you and I were talking about it before the show. First world, first world problems here, but it, it is. It yeah. is quite concerning as, uh, you know... When your house leans, Yeah, yes. you know the portion of the of poltergeist when the house just starts to fall apart? You know, that's one corner right. of our house looks a little bit like that. It is... it is Nice. It is a tad bit. No no clown scene, but other than that... No clown scene. Oh, my God. The clown scene from poltergeist <laughs> here. still gives me... No, that's a different... That's, that's, that's Close Encounters. That's poltergeist. No, there here is... Is that it? No. Yes, when she's watching the TV. Oh, is it really? Yeah, when she's watching the oh, TV in the, the static, girl. and she's like, they're here. I didn't know that. I, I didn't pick that up. The only thing I think about with Poltergeist. I didn't pick that the up. The only thing I think about with Poltergeist, because I try to forget it, but I, I the, the chicken scene, 
uh, the the guy wants to eat the chicken leg. I'm not going to go into more detail. And the clown under the bed. Yeah, that one. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Disturbed yeah. me for for years. I, I didn't. It's a scary movie. Yeah, it's a scary wow. movie for its time. Steven Spielberg, un- unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, should we should start? All right. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, let's talk sure. the show. Let's do yeah, that. let's start. Let's start this. Let's start this nonsense. <laughs> um, we've got a cool show. Uh, we'll start it off with just a very quick thing because, of course, because we talked about Kanye, we have to talk about the other guy who's buying a social media network, um, and that is, of course, our friend Elon Musk. Um, that musky scent of Twitter is now permanent. Uh, is a permanent smell on your clothes um, as the deal is apparently done, and that as we record this, uh, it will be uh, Mr. Musk's first day, and he's already walked into the headquarters. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the disaster that is Meta's performance in the third quarter. Um, just really, uh, well, pooped the bed, as my old CEO used to say. Um, and is winter coming? Well, ad industry companies seemingly say yes, and so they're waiting for a huge turn down and are starting to make preparations of that. We'll talk about that. And then we'll finish off by talking about Mr. Beast, and he's extending his empire. We'll talk about how he's extending his empire as the rest of the world burns and an economic turn down. Maybe Mr. Beast is actually showing us how to grow. Uh, then we'll get into some rants and raves, and I'll talk a little more about Kanye and the influencer marketing specifically and what we can learn from some of this. And Joe's going to talk a little bit about a very complex topic with regard to products and China and where things are going and where they can't go and how that might have some relationship to our friends at TikTok. No, it will have. So, it, And I will prove it. Okay. Well, right. I'm, on a, there you go. I, I'm on a campaign to make this thing happen. And I'll, okay. I'll, well, I'll stay tuned for the whole. It. You have to. You have to listen to the very end. We'll talk about that as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we we'll talk about that. He's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, the whole algebraic equation of algorithms, TikTok, and everything. Yes, the whole thing. Um. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Uh, let's get into it with our friend Mr. Musk, and apparently he is walking in to headquarters. This courtesy of Axios. Chief Twit says the headline: Elon Musk arrives at Twitter HQ carrying a sink. So, so very Elon. Uh, Elon strolled into Twitter headquarters, says the intro to the article on Wednesday afternoon, and he brought with him a bathroom sink. Why it wasn't a kitchen sink, I am not. It's just like just opportunity missed. But there you go bathroom sink. Driving the news, uh, says uh, Axios, Musk visited Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco ahead of an expected meeting with employees as he nears closing a deal to buy the social media company for a reported $44 billion, putting an end to the dramatic, dramatic, dramatic saga that has been going on since March. What he said, Musk tweeted a video of himself walking into Twitter's headquarters holding a bathroom sink, basically saying, let that sink in. See what he did there? Oh, see see what he see what he did? Duty. He made he he that's prop comic right there is what that is. He's a prop comic, um, as the comedians <laughs> would say. Anyway, what say you very quickly to our friend uh, Elon as he takes his first day finding where the coffee maker is at Twitter? Well, I know why he brought a bathroom sink, because have you seen the size of some of these kitchen sinks today? They're unwieldy. I don't think he could actually Oh yeah, carry, they're big. I don't think yeah, he, yeah. Should, he could carry one. So I think he was just smart from that because he would he'd pull something. And nobody wants Elon Musk to limp in to Twitter headquarters, or he'd have to. T- he could put it on a cart, and he could pull it in or push it in. That might have been better. 
is what. Anyways, I just look at it. I just look at it and go, "What?" The kitchen sink joke I get, and it's kind of funny. But let that sink in. I mean, that's just not even funny. I mean, it's just stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you're you going to make a joke with your you 44 Elon billion dollar Twitter, then you know only because I have to for the show. Yeah, you know, exactly. so yeah. Um, it's interesting to s- the the news out. Of, so basically, as we are recording, we're recording this on Thursday, and on Friday, this official thing will go through because Elon was going to lose the lawsuit, and now he's stuck with a 44 billion dollar mistake. What's amazing is that Twitter is going to have 13 billion dollars in debt. I mean, can you imagine that? Right. They're, they're prop. They might not oh, even the be service worth on 13, that debt alone. They yeah. might not even be worth thirteen billion dollars, and they've got that amount in debt. So that's kind of a little scary. But the the news coming out that we're just bandied about today is the fact that a lot of advertisers are afraid because Elon's going to open up content moderation, whatever this new free Twitter is, and that Twitter believes that he's not. You know, not Elon says that he's buying Twitter because it's good for humanity and good for civilization as we know it. It's kind of strange. I mean, the whole thing is really, there's there's a couple people in the United States that act this way. It's just odd to me uh, that they're, you know, good, good for him, whatever. But I think that is an issue. And we talked about it a few episodes ago with True Social. Large advertisers don't necessarily want to have their brand associated with, um, comments that are in the minority, that are on the on yeah. the spectrums, the sides of the of what's going on with the conversation. So it, I think it is a concern. Now he went back, he came back and said, "Oh no, it's it's, it's going to be fine. It's not going to be you know all hell breaks loose." Yeah. But right. it might. Well, he's got to say that now. It, he's got to say that now. It, it yeah. might be. And that, does this mean so? Is, is he going to change Twitter? Is it going to be the App X thing? Do you know the detail on that? Like, what's, what's App X? <laughs> they, no, he's, sadly, even though I follow him, he does not share that information with me. But <laughs> I can't imagine that they can't or shouldn't or won't have to announce something big to get people excited. I mean, they're going to have to do something. He can't walk in doing a stunt like this and changes profile and, you know, changed his location on Twitter to Twitter HQ and all those things with, you know, I'm reminded very much of, you know, when I used to watch my dog take a toy and those of you who own dogs, you know this, right? You get them a toy and they're, the question is how quickly will they destroy the toy, right? The, you know, the stuffed animal and it, you know, with my dog, it ranged anywhere between two minutes to forever, Right. You know, basically, if they they in any given day, you give them a stuffed toy and 30 seconds later, it's a pile of styrofoam and, you know, fabric uh, all over your kitchen floor. And then other times they love the toy and they basically never, you know, it, they carry it around for years. And so this to me reminds me very much of the dog coming in and, and basically starting to tear apart the toy immediately. It's like, just how long are they gonna, is it going to take to tear this thing apart? I just I don't have a lot of high hopes anymore. I really don't. I just think it's I I think this is a race to the bottom and I see headlines like this where you know the most active users on Twitter are starting to leave the platform, activities really starting to wane. I think it, they've got a big hill to climb and I just I'm sad for it really, but we'll you Yeah, know, I don't we'll know. See what I'm, I'm going to keep an open mind about it. I think the concern 
is coming as well from a lot of the employees that have, you know, if oh, you, yeah. I don't know if it was, oh, it was Wall Street gosh. Journal or, or the Post, Washington Post that said that said, you know, a good chunk of employees were going to be let go. Now, to this point, we haven't heard anyone that's been let go, but I'm assuming that's going to happen because the Twitter, as the, whatever you look at the valuation now under an Elon Musk, is bloated. And they need to cut costs. We'll talk about that with Meta in a second as well. Yeah, and I also think that's a positioning. That's a positioning thing too, where Elon knows that he's going to have a a huge exodus out of the company, and so basically gets ahead of the story by saying, "I'm going to lay off seventy five percent of the company," knowing that I don't know fifteen percent, ten percent may leave of their own accord, and he can go see this is my this is my plan all along. Yeah, that's actually fair. uh, It's actually a fairly smart maneuver to do that. It's, oh yeah, you know, you set, he's nothing if not a good PR guy. He knows. He, knows he definitely knows how to. Well, yeah, he brought in a bathroom the headlines sink, for and sure. And then he had that very witty Let statement. That sink in. That oh sink my in. god, no, it wasn't. That just the joke is so there. It's like the anyway. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Let's move on to uh, let's move on to the next story, which of course is the survivability of another social network here, uh, Facebook. Meta, I, I just can't make the change, I guess, uh, has basically announced their uh, their earnings for the third quarter and, you know, just as as just just failed miserably. Earnings cut in half. Uh, the stock sinks toward its lowest prices in more than six years. This the what we'll link to is the Market Watch uh, article. Uh, and as chief. I guess, CEO Mark Zuckerberg says, while we face near-term challenges on revenue, the fundamentals are there for a return to stronger revenue growth. In the most PR-written sentence of all time, I, I don't even know where to start with this. What, what do you think about this? I, look, at the, the, if you look at the results of Snap came out, Meta comes out, Amazon just reported horrible earnings. So it's across the board. Like they, these companies yeah. are yeah, in yeah. a recessionary period. Advertising is has plummeted uh, in a lot of cases. And it, but by the way, GDP grew by two point five percent, two point six percent. So it's yeah. it's really nuts. Kind of how it's almost like a lot of businesses have been preparing for this, and we'll see what shakes out while consumers continue to spend. The issue that I heard over and over again, and I I listened to a lot of the interviews on CNBC about what was going on with Meta, is the fact that they're increasing CapEx while this is happening. And they're they're pushing money into this Metaverse concept that nobody seems to believe in. Now, it could turn out that in five years, this is the most brilliant move ever. But when you look at it on paper, it looks disturbing when you've got, I don't know what it was, in the 30-some billion dollars in CapEx that they're trying to invest in, and a good portion of that is in the metaverse. So while every other company, uh, Google's a really good example, right? Google came out with earnings a couple days ago, terrible earnings, advertising down across the board, and they're making cuts. They're trying to cut back uh, where it makes sense, cutting back investments. And not that I'm a fan of that, I'm just saying that it seems sensible if they're preparing for a recessionary period. Well, at the so you've got a very bold Zuckerberg coming out and say we are going to spend our butts off and continue to, and profits are going to go down. It's it's sort it's a little bit a little bit reminiscent of what Bezos did at Amazon. The only difference is is that when Bezos was doing it at Amazon, 
the model seemed to make sense. Maybe I just hindsight is twenty twenty. This one, I just I just don't see it. I don't see that their version of the metaverse. You and I were talking yesterday about the hardware problem that they're having, and that that the, their right. whole that Facebook is putting all the money behind Oculus being the savior and people wanting to wear these things. And I think you and I probably, I don't want to speak for you, but we both believe that probably AR, VR, it's probably going to be more AR, augmented reality, and it's it's going to be led by Apple because they have the phone. Or maybe Google because of Android. I don't know. But it's definitely not going to be. People are not running out. I mean, Metaverse revenue, I don't have the numbers in front of me, Robert. Maybe you do. Went from like $480 million to 280 Like, it's sunk. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess yeah. that's my issue, Robert, is I don't believe in Zuckerberg's vision. I haven't for a long time. People that have listened to this program know that I am not a lover of Meta and Facebook and what they've been doing. I don't think it's good for society. Regarding all that aside, this is just a bad business strategy, in my opinion, and they're getting punished for it. Stock down, I think today, 26, 30, no, wait, I'm sorry, 31% at one point. Yeah. And it was down yesterday. And it's, it's, I'm sure it's down now because of Apple and Amazon came out with bad earnings too. And so they're down to the stock price that they were at six years ago, which is hard to yeah, believe. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy. Six years ago, their stock price, you know, and that, and that takes into account. I mean, you know, I think what we're seeing is a very specific sector correction. You know, this is very reminiscent to me of 2001, right? Where it was, one sector that was driving the economy that basically, you know, and the dot-com bust, right? So this to me looks a lot less like 2008, 2009, and a lot more like, you know, 99, 2000, when this irrational exuberance, right, over the dot-com, you know, what became the dot-bomb, basically crushed all these companies in the Silicon Valley space, the tech space, and everything else was kind of okay, right? Everything, you know, I mean, the problem was is that there were so many ancillary, corollary businesses or, you know, that sort of were in a halo effect around that mm-hmm. that were affected by it, you know, and so many people got laid off and all of that, that it sort of impacted the economy more broadly. But it was really focused. And this seems really focused, too. It seems really focused in on yeah. the, you know, I mean, I was watching the stock market, I think it was... Uh, see what said today's Thursday. It was Monday or Tuesday, and the Dow Jones was up like 350 points, and the Nasdaq was down like 175 points. I mean, it was it was crazy, the disparity between the two exchanges. And I think this is you know it, it feeds right into our next story, of course. But but I think what we're seeing with Facebook is exactly what you're saying. Is just a bad bad business you know, strategy. Um, I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out why if he's so into this metaverse idea and building a world, why they didn't go out and, and just acquire somebody and just acquire, you know, acquire one of the interactive entertainment companies like, you know, the Robloxes of the world or the Minecraft, I know Minecraft's a Microsoft, but, um, you know, but why they didn't go out and acquire a, a fun, engaging, world game and build around that. that it just roblox could have been yeah. i think roblox could have been had actually at some point and now they would never i mean but if you look at uh 
so look at the like the let's say the two biggest successes that Facebook Meta has had over the past ten years. They have both been acquisitions, Instagram and WhatsApp. Yep. And maybe they're not in a position where an innovative company wants to sell to them anymore. Maybe that's the problem you're going to have. It could be. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but they, they, I mean, they, but money buys everything, right? You know, I mean, if you're an, if you're an, I don't know, Epic Games or somebody like that, or Roblox, I don't think you'd want to sell uh, to a, to a Facebook because of here's, here's what it comes down to 90% of all voting shares of Meta, the company, are owned by one person. That's Mark Zuckerberg. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't believe, and, and that's where it is, if you're in a really good market and you're in a bull market, everything's going great, you don't care about that kind of stuff. You're like, Zuckerberg's got right. it. He's got Steve Jobs, right? The vision is great. But when in down times, Steve Jobs was fired. And, yeah. and you, but Zuckerberg can't be fired. Because he owns everything. He owns this. It's not, if you bought stock in Meta, you really are not buying anything because you have no voting rights. That's right. So it's just, yeah. that's, that's my concern for, for, yep. for Meta. But I think it, to your, to the next art, to the next article you're going to talk about, I, I think there's, there's a, there may be a bigger issue here on advertising spend when it comes to, so very relevant for marketers and content creators. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, here, and here it is. It comes courtesy of, Business Insider, which I can't make up my mind about Business Insider. I sometimes it's really great, and sometimes so, it's just so. Awful. Can I be honest so, with you, really quick? So I don't have an Insider subscription. You do. So you yeah, sent me. I do. You sent only for the show, and that's and I'm glad you you pay for that, <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't. Um, you sent me the link. I didn't get access to yeah. it, and I said, "Hey, for this, would you please send me the 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 article content?" And you sent it back to me. Now I'm expecting right. something under a subscription block that it would be amazing. And it's a very short, very just uh, okay, fine. It's a fine article. It's not yeah. but I'm like why so people are paying for this type of information. That's That's right. That's the concern exactly. that I had. This this in my opinion exactly should be a free right. article. Yeah. So anyways, go yeah. ahead. It's just yeah, I no, 100% agreed. So, uh yeah, the headline here and by the way, the article is really just because it lets us talk about the story. Um, the headline is, as Alphabet and Snap report sharp spending slowdowns, the ad industry is bracing for the worst. Uh, basically, the article opens up by saying, Alphabet and Snap's dismal showing in their recent earnings due to a slowdown in ad spend signified an ad market further collapsing in the face of a likely recession. Now the ad industry is scrambling to figure out what to do in a worst-case economic scenario. Says one ad tech executive, uh, I think the digital ad market collapsed in September, noting a precipitous drop that month in particular. Snap ripped the Band-Aid off of that. It's not just digital that's impacted. The entire ad industry is expecting budget cuts in the near future. Another source told Business Insider, can we stop faking that the upfront is fine and the scatter marketplace is fine, that digital's not going to slow down? All the currents are coming together, and we are looking at the perfect storm. Start planning now for that perfect storm. The article goes on to sort of say that again and again and again um, from different people that they've got quoted here. Uh, and it ends by saying, you know, some marketers like Microsoft and P&G cut marketing budgets as early as this summer, but others haven't gone that far yet. General Electric CMO Linda Boff. Um, oh, Linda. Linda. Used Hi, to Linda. be, yeah, on the uh, cover told, of CCO yeah, Magazine back fantastic. in the day. Yeah. yeah. 
She's great. Uh, told Insider, the company hasn't cut yet, though it would likely scale back the number of big advertising events it, appear- it participates in every year from five to two or three. So the article is really just basically saying all of this is happening, and then they sort of quote all these CEOs and CMOs by saying that they're going to cut spending and all of that. Uh, okay, so my take, because... Well, give me your take because I have a, I, I definitely have a perspective on this. But well, let's go let's go back to your two thousand one two thousand two scenario uh, because you and yeah. I actually lived through, through that period. Some of our listeners right. did not. What happened in the ad market, and this was in the print adver- print and digital advertising market for the business side. When times were good, two thousand begin two thousand beginning of two thousand one, you had advertisers that that were spending their money in multiple places. So basically anywhere that they could find the right people, they were spending money, digital, print, whatever the case was. There wasn't much social media going on at the time. And they they weren't picking. They weren't specific about their targets. What happened in 2002 and 2003, instead of advertising, let's say, with five magazines or six magazines at the time, they went to one or two. And they, they kept that. So so basically what's what's going to happen, and if, if let's say that history repeats itself when we see that again, which it feels like that's going to happen. If you're the number one or number two site or creator and you drive money through advertising or you are a brand looking to advertising, you're probably going to look at the leaders in the market and you're basically going to slough off on everything else and say, we're going to cut back on that. I see that coming and that's where... You're you're going to see your twenty five to thirty percent less, and I right now we're seeing it in the creator economy. I can absolutely tell you that there are, there's a number of people that I'm talking to that that are taking a wait and see approach, and they're going into budget season, and they're absolutely not budgeting more in spending this year than last year. Most likely, it's a ten to fifteen percent cut, and it probably will be more. So I think I think it's a thing. I think we're seeing it in the social media companies first because we can. We see their results, but we're seeing it all in pockets. And it seems like you've got marketing leaders preparing for the worst. Now, maybe it'll never happen, but they're certainly preparing like we're going into a recession. Agreed. And I think, you know, where I struggle is, you know, and a lot of this is the if it bleeds, it leads category of all the magazines, you know, nobody wants to read about, oh, it's so awesome right now. Let's read some statistics and quotes about people talking about how their business is great. Yeah, actually go Um, to to Caterpillar's results or McDonald's results. Those are amazing. Well, this is, well, that's, so, so, so this is going to be my point, right? Because I literally just pulled up P&G, right? P&G is mentioned in the article, like they're going to cut ad spending and marketing spending and, and, you know, and the sky is falling. Well, P&G is doing fine this year. Right, you know, 2022 results are five percent better on revenue, net sales of eighty billion dollars. They're doing just fine. Sales in most of these companies, and as we talked about, the the you know GDP of the the, the third quarter was, you know, it was positive, right? So, and and by the way, you know, two percent, two and a half percent growth in any other year would be like we're on fire. Right. That, I mean, that's a that's a healthy growth in GDP in a quarter. And when you see that and I see that, the you know, what it what it tends to say to me is they don't have to. 
they don't have to spend as much to get the same level of results. And if you don't have to spend the same results to get the same results or to get growth because they're raising prices, because of inflation, because of, you know, all those all the things that we as consumers sort of look at and go, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of annoyed at. It means that they're getting their margin without spending more in ad spend. That's they look at that and go, that's a good thing. Right now, obviously, it hurts those who are running advertising as a business model. And so you have to ask yourself if your revenue is purely from an ad related business, what is it? This this says less about the economy and it says more about my limitations in a business model about how I'm generating revenue in addition to selling real estate to, you know, to those who want to get a message across. Sure. Because those same marketers are putting more money into people, into technology, into owned media, like content marketing. They're they're spending, they're doing things. They just may not be spending money on it, advertising. And yes, marketing budgets may be coming down slightly. I would hazard a guess and say, for most businesses, the decrease, if there is one, is probably in the total single digits. But then if you look at the media being spent, the advertising media, yeah, it probably is either consolidating into a few areas, e.g. TikTok, uh, or it's actually getting pulled into other areas like technology or PR or communications or content marketing or other areas that are helping us establish brand or, you know, we're just, we're moving the shells around. We're not necessarily making the shells go away. So there's so much here to look at and to simplify it down into the sky and marketing is following is falling because, you know, the ad industry is, is, is kvetching around the fact that they don't have the same growth that they had in 2020. Well, you know, I'm sorry, let me pull out my violin for you, right? You know, you know, nobody was, you know, nobody at, at Snap or at Google or Facebook was complaining when ad rates were growing and, uh, you know, media spend was, you know, growing by 25 or 30% from quarter to quarter. I didn't see them going, oh, geez, you guys are spending too much. Oh, please stop. You know, so that's, I guess, where I, where I land on this is like, the sky is definitely not falling. And for those of us who are in the business of marketing, it's like, get sharp, get clear. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not, the world is not about to end. No, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think this, because of all the sky is falling commentary that's going on, it gives a marketer an excuse to, to move chairs around. And yeah. nobody would ever fault you for it. It's funny, I was just at, last week in Vegas, I was at the Print United Conference. They, they had 28,000 people at this conference, and basically they're selling all sorts of printing equipment. They used to be, I think at one time, pre-COVID, they had 50,000 people. It doesn't matter. But I was thinking about that when I used to go to trade shows. I used to go to National Manufacturing Week in Chicago, which took over all of McCormick. And you had hundreds of thousands of people. And it was a huge event. And I thought, man, that event will never come back that way. And I think because of your point, the manufacturers don't have to. They don't just have right. to put you put it all into that event because that was the big event that everyone went to every year. But today you've got so many options, and I think your point about TikTok is really valid. And like I don't know if Meta talked about this in their results, but I would imagine that Instagram's 
advertising uh, revenue is impacted because of ByteDance and TikTok. Be- and it's and from what I hear, it's a cheaper spend. So I, I don't know. Who knows? It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I, I, I see articles like this, which sort of conflate all everything, everything marketing related with the ad revenue model. And, you know, I mean, look, I'm not saying that things aren't, that we won't go into a recession or there won't be, you know, sort of a, a downturn of, of some kind. But I honestly, you know, my gut tells me that it feels, and I'm just, you know, I, this is obviously so non-scientific, right? Just my feel, my gut tells me everything's going to be fine in early next year. You know, I mean, unless something obviously catastrophic happens, you know, then obviously all bets are off the table. But I think if, you know, not that notwithstanding, I, I feel like 2023 is going to be a pretty darn good year. I, I don't know. I hope you're right. I think the bigger issue that sometimes we forget now that we're in the latter part of 2022 is that we just came off two years of shutdowns. Right. And we don't know yeah. what the new and we're not going back to normal. We don't know what that is. I mean, I just, I I had uh, coffee this morning with one of our wonderful listeners, Todd. Hey, Todd, how you doing? Todd was just talking about his association market and that 62% of association people still don't want to go to physical events. Still. So that is a huge market change that, and that's not going to go back to normal in 23 because to the things we've been talking about, business has changed completely. Right. And it, it's not going to go back in 24 or 25. We're going to have some new environment that we're living in. So I just think, you know, we, we, we I want to hope for the best, but I, th- I think maybe you hit it this time. I don't usually agree with you, Robert, but this time I think I am agreeing <laughs> with you that we're just seeing change happen and the change is affecting right, right now these big tech companies and their advertising. So that's right. Good point. That's good right. Point. Good job. That's right. Thank good you. Job. You Thank get you. all right. Let's move on. <laughs> that I can t- tear apart in two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So we're going to move on to our last story here that we'll cover. Uh, and basically, this is Mr. Beast, uh, who someone I know you look up to and have sort of modeled uh, Mr. many, many of your lessons yes. after. Uh, the headline here, also from Axios, by the way. YouTube megastar Mr. Beast seeks a 10-figure valuation. Uh, the article starts off by saying, Mr. Beast, the YouTube star turned entrepreneur, there you go, you got to love that opening line, mm-hmm. uh, is looking to raise around $150 million for his business at roughly a $1.5 billion valuation. Three sources familiar with the conversations told Axios. The funding would help Mr. Beast, whose real name is Jimmy Donaldson, quickly expand his massive video empire across restaurants, consumer goods, and merchandise. With 107 million YouTube subscribers, Mr. Beast's main channel is the fifth most subscribed YouTube channel globally. His viral internet stunts and challenges, combined with his commitment to testing and iterating each each video and its thumbnail, have helped the 24-year-old create one of the most successful YouTube channels in the world. He began posting YouTube videos more than 10 years ago, and Forbes estimates that Mr. Beast makes more than $54 million per year in revenue. And then the article goes on to give some of the details, uh, basically, that goes beyond his YouTube channels to his uh, Beast Reacts 
uh, Mr. Beast Gaming, Mr. Beast Shorts. Uh, he has a food delivery business called Mr. Beast Burger. Uh, he has a physical restaurant for Mr. Beast Burger, and he also has a snacks business called Feastables. So he's definitely following the Joe Polizzi multiple revenue leads to the brand thing. What uh, what say you about this article? Well, I, I of course I'm partial to this. I think that Mr. Beast Jimmy is. I'm going to call him Jimmy. He doesn't he doesn't call me Joe, but I'm going to call him. Jimmy. Have you reached out? Have you tried to reach out and talk yes, to him? Yes, I'm working on it. I am. I'm bound okay. and determined to to talk to to Jimmy at some point on on something. We'll see what the topic's going to be. But I think that all, all right. anybody listening to this program, this podcast is you know the one that you and I are on. We we need to be yeah. paying attention <laughs> right. to what Mr. Beast is doing. It is phenomenal, and yeah. It, first of all, creates a content brand. A lot of people think that Mr. Beast is Jimmy. No, Jimmy Donaldson created a content brand. It just happens to be Mr. Beast, and. By the way, his Feastables uh, snacks business that I think Walmart is distributing uh, all over the world right now, it made $10 million in its first month, a couple months of operations. It's amazing. It is amazing. So basically doing it the right way, Built. I think that the one thing that I've learned, and my my youngest son, Adam, is a big fan of Mr. Beast and and tells me more than, than I could find out. Basically, Mr. Beast has watched, I think, one movie in his entire life. He doesn't watch movies at all. He's watched tens of thousands of hours of YouTube so he could figure out what works and what doesn't. And so right. basically, you know, the whole thing about best practices or test practices, he's testing all the time trying to figure this thing out. So he's built the brand of Mr. Beast, built that audience, and now doing it exactly the way you're supposed to do it. You're launching, you know, new revenue producing products and testing those and if they work and then expanding did it with mr beast burger tested a little bit then launched the whole thing out now it's working with feastables as well and you're gonna see uh, i mean i don't know i'm i'm trying to predict uh, how do you predict what's going to happen I, i'm gonna predict right now that in five years mr beast is the largest media company on the planet I really do believe that's going to happen. I also believe wow. that, uh, that Jimmy Old might. Statement. I also believe that Jimmy might be the future president of the United States. I, <laughs> okay, I, all I'm, right. And and I, <laughs> he wants to run. Uh, he doesn't need any money. He's very philanthropic. Uh, he, he. I don't know. Anyways, I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of going <laughs> yeah, out there a little sure bit I on go. this one. I'm not sure I go there. Yeah, but I, I'm with I, you. I, hey, yeah. you know what? You can't question it anymore. After, you know, people thought, oh, Ronald Reagan will never be president. Oh, that happened. And then Donald Trump will never be president. And then that happened. So yeah. who knows? Anyways, I think that it's really important for marketers to understand this, build the audience and go. And the other thing that we have to realize is I think this leads into marketing departments as well, that we continue to fight as marketing people that we can drive direct revenue. And I think this is part of the lessons that we can learn that, Every time a company of any size selling any kind of product and service builds a loyal audience, you can drive revenue in multiple ways. And Mr. Beast is showing us that here's the different levels levers that you pull. And I don't think enough marketers do that. So, yeah, uh, no, 100% agreed. You know, I mean, look, he's doing the right thing with, you know, walking tall, carrying a very big stick and he is, you know, swagger, right? Swagger would be the, the word I would use, you know, and looking at a $1.5 billion valuation 
on $54 million in revenue, if that's the number, you know, because that's just an estimate, of course. Nobody really knows except him. What well, that's, the, what that sounds like what is. he makes. That sounds like profit yeah, to me. Yeah, right. That sounds like profit. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I think that's probably revenue. $54 well, million I know that, revenue. Well, I know like on, on uh, the, what was it, the Squid, Squid Games episode that Mr. Beast did that just went crazy. I mean, he put millions of dollars in production into that. I don't know if he makes money on every one of these things because he may not, yeah, he, but $54 million in revenue affords you a pretty good sized media budget sure. to create content. Yeah, you know what I mean? He could put, you know, he could put $10 million into creating content. That's his only real cost, you know, honestly. So, you know, I, I think, but that notwithstanding, let's say it's $75 million is revenue, right? It, you know, it, it's still a $1.5 billion valuation is it's a little hard to swallow, but it's, you know, it's big swagger, right? It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's big time. So we'll see if he can raise that much money. If he can raise $150 million, it's a great PR campaign he's got going on to get, you know, to, to talk and, and maybe get some investors interested. I would actually expect given your, you know, what you always say, I would expect somebody to come in and not actually want to uh, invest in him as much as they would acquire him at this point. Right? I, yeah, I believe he's already had offers in the bees for the business. I believe somebody. Well, already we talked about that on the, the show. Mr. Yeah, Mr. we talked. We yeah, we talked about that on the show. I don't believe that. I think that's PR. I don't know. I think that's PR. I don't know. I, don't I mean, the guy is going to be the future yeah. president of the United States. I mean, that's very oh, valuable. Dear. Oh my! <laughs> uh, look. Uh, oh my! Oh my! Oh my God! We yeah. we're gonna save this episode because if it ever happens, oh, I am going to This is to another Disney. Forever. This is a Disney Apple thing. And yeah, I mean, this and is I a got Disney a long. Apple I mean, thing. hopefully he'll live a long life. I could have fifty years to figure out if this thing's gonna work or not. He's a young man. He's only like what 25, 26 years old. I don't know what he. Is. I love how, uh, right? I love how all of our bets. Basically, your time horizon is forever, and. <laughs> And, and and mine is like if it doesn't happen by next week, I've lost somehow. So well, it's the same, it's so, yeah. so funny. It's the same thing as as my my Bitcoin thesis is you know it's a hedge against inflation, and everybody wonders why. Well, it it hasn't helped. It's been down in this environment. It's down like whatever sixty five seventy percent. But I always say right, not my time horizon. I didn't say when. I didn't say when this is gonna happen. Yeah. I just said it's yeah. gonna happen. So that's if you just don't put dates to things, Robert. I feel you're very you're much more effective at prognostication. I thought I'd seen everything till I saw an elephant fly. Yeah, I so guess. There you go. Yeah, here yeah. we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, all right. So let's move on to our rants and rave sections where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave. By the way, in the meantime, uh, if you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes or get into any of the other episodes, you know you can always head over to our wonderful little website, thisoldmarketing.site. We also love the show ideas that you send us. So any of those that uh, that that struck you today, we want more of them. So Twitter us up on the hashtag thisoldmarketing. And by the way, if you're wondering why I'm sort of inserting that before rants and raves, well, it's because we have a little bit of a change in the format of the show we're going to try out. And, uh, you know, what do you think, Joe? Did it work? Uh, I think this is perfect. It's fun. And, and um, can we tell them why we're doing this? Yeah, of course, yeah, well, yeah of I didn't know. Please I didn't do, know how. I mean, this is your part of the show, so I didn't yeah. know if I was allowed yeah. to go in. So I'm talking. I, actually, this afternoon, I had lunch with my son. Uh, goes to Cleveland State. We went down and had some amazing Mexican food, 
and we were talking about, of course, Mr. Beast, and we were going through. So it's it's actually I got to tell you, Robert, it's really wonderful to talk about this stuff with your with your kids. So I'm just having a great time yeah, talking about. Of course, it. he's telling me all this stuff, and he said, "Dad, I watched an interview with Mr. Beast, and he talked about algorithms on podcasts and and YouTube videos." And I'm like, and so I perk up. Oh, what did Mr. What did Mr. Beast say? I would like to know. And he said. Uh, that these video producers and podcast producers are killing themselves because if you're going to end a program, you have to end it like with the content and you have to be really quick about ending it because if you do like the, Hey, we'll see you next time. And whatever the, you know, you kind of do thank you everyone. And you have your list of people that you're going to thank people generally drop off. And you and I were talking about this for right. the show. We do this on other podcasts we listen to. When they thank the sponsors or whatever at the end of the program, we're already on to the next thing. But when Mr. Beast was yep. saying specifically with YouTube, that kills your algorithm because you don't get credit for somebody listening to the full episode. So what you want to do is make sure you go up to the very end with amazing content and then quit. And of course... For 300-plus episodes, you and I have always done a little banter at the end, and oh, I don't know if yeah. people listen to it or not. I, I probably could find out if I ever looked at our analytics. So <laughs> so, um, so, anyways, that's what we decided to say. We're going to do a little thing here, and then yeah, we'll not do, all the thank yous. Yeah, we'll and, do our rants and rants. And, and, and here's the thing. You won't know. We'll, it, it Literally, hopefully, the ending will catch you a bit by surprise. Basically, it'll, it'll be good content, and then we'll just be done. be done. So hopefully that's a good thing. Let us know. You know, if you like it, if you hate it, um, I can't imagine anybody hates when I go off and promote the website and all that stuff. But, uh, but you know, if you do, let, there's you know, there's a us, whole slew know, of people that just learned about the website for the first time. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, can That's you exactly think about right. just think about That's that? Ex- yeah. Anyways, yeah. We just yeah. It's just the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things. All right. So, what do you got? Uh, what's your rant? What's okay, your rave? So I, I have a commentary, and uh, I've been on this bandwagon, but I, I got to stay on it because this happened last week. And I'll I've, there's many articles out on this, but this is coming from the Hill, and this one says, "Is Biden's chip ban a tipping point in U.S.-China relations?" And basically, the whole idea behind this, and I'm and I'm honestly I'm not an expert in this area, Robert. Everyone knows this. But the White House and Biden made a new policy where it's basically blocking all the key elements of the semiconductor supply chain for AI and supercomputers coming from the United States into China. That's AI chip design, electronic automation software for chip equipment, and semiconductor manufacturing equipment and all components. And then, by the way, it applies not only to just U.S. individual and corporations, but any foreign, and I'm reading this from the Hill, any foreign company exporting to China that uses U.S. technology. Now, you might think, hey, you're listening to this old marketing. Why does this matter? I don't know what happened, but this, maybe this is a retaliation in some way from something that China did, but this is going back and forth, and you can see the tension ratcheting up between what's going on with the United States and, and China. And I know uh, Xi just got reelected to another term and has almost full control over what's going on. And that's not good for some of the things that we're trying to do. So Biden says, we're going to do this. And what I really believe coming very shortly, I said to somebody, I thought this would happen in three years, but I think it's going to be much less. I think that you're going to see TikTok banned. And I've talked about this for the last month in this show, and I really didn't have anything but my gut 
that would say, oh, I just think it's going to happen because I think it's a national security issue between the United States. China already treats it that way. But I mean, now you're seeing escalation happen for whatever reason. Something's going to happen in China. And then the next move, pretty shortly, you're going to see the U.S. government come down and say it is a security risk that we have TikTok on all these American phones and getting all this information from United States citizens and we are going to block it. So that's kind of what I take from it. I don't know if you agree or not, but that's, I read I this article and that's the first thing I thought. And I'm like, oh my God, here it comes. Be careful. Be, be yeah. careful people on TikTok. Just be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if I agree or disagree. I don't, I, 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 I absolutely hear your logic. A hundred percent. I hear your logic and I, and I, and I could see it happening on the other side. I, I don't see, you know, so little action gets taken on this kind of stuff that I just, it's one of those things where it's like, I just, just it's hard for me to, yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard for me to, to see them actually doing something bold like that. This seems bold. Um, This is bold. I mean, this is a, it is. This bold. is a big move. It's a, it's if if a they're bold actually move. going to execute yeah. this, and that's it's a bold strategy, it's Cotton. Bold Let's move, see Cotton. if it pays <laughs> off for him. <laughs> bold move, Cotton. Yeah. So, anyways, that yeah. was my that was mine. Do you have a uh, all right? Do you have a rant, a rave, a commentary? I have basically some commentary, and it sort of feeds off of what we were talking about at the top of the show, which was regarding Kanye, and and it's the lessons to be learned there. Like there are tons of lessons that we can learn. You know, and many, many conversations, by the way, to be had here about everything from mental health to racism to anti-Semitism to, and I'm, I'm hopeful all those conversations will take place. But just purely from a marketing standpoint, what it reminds me of, there are two things as we go forward as marketers and think about uh, our own influencer program, which is one... We have to remember that when we engage with influencers, that basically influencers, you know, you've heard us say a million times, social media is rented land. You have to remember that influencers are rented land too. Because what we have to remember is that we're not only partnering with the influencer and their work, like an artist or a thought leader or a subject matter expert, we're also partnering with the way that they market themselves. In other words, in much the same way that a great content marketing program can be ruined by your overly pushy or your obnoxious or generally bad sales program, and by the way, other way around, right? You know, a great sales program can be ruined by a horrible content marketing program, that we have the same vice versa. Our marketing can be directly affected by the influencer's marketing approach taken by them. In other words, when we have them help us tell our story, we have to remember that they're off on another planet telling their own story as well, building their own audiences. So we really need to understand that when we actually partner with them, it's not just us we need to look at, and it's not just them working with us that we need to look at. We need to look at how they actually tell their story as well. Great example of this, by the way. Um, Kanye, you know, has is all the makings of outrage marketing, right? Which is a, you know, big topic right now, you know, so that doesn't get nearly enough tension, this this idea of outrage marketing. And there's a whole spectrum of this. And Kanye only represents the very edges of outrage marketing. You know, so he's escalated what he's done for years to become just completely 
off the rails outrageous. But you can see even smaller versions of this as well. Like you've got Burger King last year, they tweeted out, you know, women belong in the kitchen for a tweet. And the tweet was totally clickbait to their thing that they were celebrating International Women's Day, which was to try and build interest and attention to the fact that so few women actually end up as chefs in culinary school. So they had a whole program that was going to help women become, you know, enrolled in culinary school. But because they went with this outrageous sort of tweet strategy, content strategy, it blew up in their face. So I've, I've rarely seen outrage marketing work. But when it is, it's usually designed around some outrageous influencer like a Kanye. So just remember that we're partnering with them because they may not use outrage marketing for your particular story. And certainly Kanye wasn't doing it for Adidas or Balenciaga or The Gap. He was sort of being sort of cool Kanye. But when he was marketing for himself, he was marketing in a way that did not match any of those values of those companies. So when we're thinking about content audits and brand audits, remember, it's not just them and how they interact with you. It's how they interact with their audience as well that you're buying into. So keep that as an ongoing process, and maybe it'll help you react a little faster or in a little bit more of an agile way because you'll have that sort of process and, and, and standard built into your, your strategy so you know immediately when they have violated it. So that's, that's my only cautionary tale because it's becoming, you know, influencer marketing is obviously becoming a huge strategy for many brands and aligning themselves with these subject matter experts. And you just need to do your mm-hmm. due diligence. Well, I, I think that's smart advice. And it's the same thing. I, I, I was speaking at Andy Crestadina's amazing event, Content Jam. This was in Chicago on Tuesday. And somebody asked me about buying an influencer site or buying a content creator site. And I said, you can buy anything you want, but my recommendation is to buy something that you can ultimately separate from the creator themselves. That's a separate content brand. Like we talked about Mr. Beast, Jimmy Donaldson. Uh, you know, obviously we did that when, you know, it wasn't Joe Polizzi. It was Content Marketing Institute. Thank God. Nobody wants to buy Joe Polizzi. So, you know, those type those types of things to think about when you're when you're actually buying a company if you're if you're not doing the influencer marketer thing. So I think it's just great advice all the way around. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what do you got? What do you got this week? Uh, next week. Down, what are you doing? You traveling? I, we got a lot of things coming up in, in November. So I am I'm heads down doing a lot of different things with Creator Economy Expo and um, you getting we got speaker submissions in, so I'm putting the speaker stuff together. And then hopefully, if everything works out, I will see you on Friday in Los Angeles. I'm going to yeah. go see. I haven't seen my brother Tony Polizzi, who's a musician. I haven't seen him perform uh, in person in like 20 years because he moved out to LA. And right now, by the way, if you if you watch Dancing with the Stars, you'll see Tony in the background. He's been playing on Dancing with the Stars for for quite a while now. And but I nice. but we're going to get to see him do his new album, his new music, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And and hopefully, if you get back from your trip, you know you'll you'll go see it with yeah. me. So in Los Angeles, I, that's exactly so right. I'll be in New York next week. You know, speaking at. Uh, the Digital Media for Financial Services, the strategy event. I'm the keynote there, and we'll be talking to a bunch of financial services folks and doing all sorts of things like that. And yes, if I get back in time, I, which I, I'm assuming I will, uh, I have the first flight out on on Friday morning. I will meet up with you and uh, go hear some music. There you go. So awesome. that's it. Well, la- ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week. And remember, in the meantime, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.